If I came up to this song, I will follow you into the dark. It was mid-April. Um, I was leaving another empty church campus. I, I gotta be honest with you, discouragement was starting to win the day. And uh, I said, I gotta renew my mind. I have to do something to hit reset. You ever get in that spot where you're just, you know you're a little defeated, maybe you read too many articles, too much doomsday going through your head, and you gotta renew your mind? Well, that's where I was. And I said, I get, get in the car, I'm gonna play happy music only, okay? And, and so I, I put on a few songs, I scrolled through them, sitting over here in the empty parking lot. Actually, I was parked out back because we didn't wanna appear like we were just blowing through every stop sign that was given us. And... Um, I put on the song True North and it was a day where a lot of people were asking me questions. What are we gonna do then? And what about next week? And then what can we do in the future? Well, how are we gonna gather people back? Well, what about this rule? Well, we just heard this regulation. Well, I just heard there's another regulation. And it's like, God, you know, I don't know what's next. I really don't. I used to pretend I did. Did you ever pretend you were in control? You have a good time with that? Um, I don't know, God, and everybody's looking to me for answers, Lord, and I just don't have them, and you know I don't have them. And that song came on and said, I will follow you into the dark. Now, raise you on your hand how many people you know that you would follow into darkness. I mean, I follow a lot of people into a light where I could take care of my own steps and watch out, but how many people would I follow like this? Not many. In fact, I could think of one and he's my true north and he's my savior. And we wanted to follow him through this. So I said, Lord, we're gonna keep this real simple. We're gonna put a camera on and we're gonna preach the Bible. And did the Daniel series reach homes? Folks, thousands of views a week. We have people who've never attended church and maybe you're one of them watching today that you've tuned in and the word of God has touched your heart. And so we're gonna keep it real simple. We're gonna keep preaching the truth of scripture and we're gonna keep loving people the best we can but a humble church will survive through this. And I can tell you from experience, there are a lot of churches that are cracking at the seams. They're estimating that this could be the greatest resignation of pastors that the church has ever seen this coming fall for how congregations are treating their leaders. And I'll tell you what, I am so blessed to be surrounded by the greatest staff on earth, I'll go to my grave, and the most awesome church family because every day practically through this virus, one of you God has used to send me an encouragement and uh, you have no idea, no idea how much they mean. And so with that said, and with my voice cracking a little bit as I say it, um, man, we're praising God we can be together. So I brought a compass. Have you ever done this? Have you ever messed with a compass? I'm not talking about your apps, young people, okay? I'm talking about like a real compass. Like this is the real deal. Somebody used a measuring app the other day on their phone and I was astounded. They measured a line to, a, that's a really cool app. Play with that someday. But I got out a, a true north compass, okay? So I'm, I'm trying to balance this thing. Here we go. Where, point to where you think true north is as you sit in the tent. Somebody's going like this. <laughs> that's good, that's good. All right, as I look at this, I don't know what you're doing at home, okay? Like, are you like this or looking at, you know, maybe you should point at dad. He makes all the rules, he's true north. Um, here we go, I'm gonna do my best to point right at it. Coming, coming. All right, here we go. So all of you pointed like right there. You win. Isn't that weird? I mean, because a lot of times when you sit in a place, you're like, well, what this, 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 this. And, and we use this illustration at Christmas. Oftentimes we want to determine what our own true north is. Have you seen any kind of activity in the media today that wants to change true north? 
Yeah, I think we've all seen that a truth is being attacked at a reckless rate. Why? Because truth's not convenient all the time, right? Truth means we have to change, or truth means we have to submit, or truth means we have to acknowledge that we're not God. But this is the true north, and we're gonna follow it into the dark, and that is the theme and the heartbeat behind this series that we're gonna follow you, Lord, even if it doesn't make sense, even if we don't know what the future of this church is, of your church, of what the future of the world is. But we're gonna keep following you, Lord, and trusting you with what you have for us. And so what's that about? Well, I think it's about setting the right priorities. How many of you are starting to get back out, starting to go through your routines? Some of you never stopped going out, and we'll keep you a secret, okay? Um, but, but you never cared in the first place, we know. We've heard all of your opinions. I tell people, I am not lacking for opinions, if you're wondering. I wonder if Chris is getting any opinions. I'm not lacking, okay? I've gotten them all. Um, and, and, and we have different feelings and theories and comments and opinions. Hey, don't let the devil divide us, church, please especially over something you wear over your face. Don't you dare let the devil divide you over that, okay? Because he wants to destroy this place and he wants to destroy your families. Hey, let's not let him win. Let's be the church that doesn't let him win. And in order to do that, let's stay focused on our heavenly father and our savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly father, use this series, use this tent, use this time together to encourage everybody who came out today Bless them with your word. We're gonna hear from you, Jesus, today. And we pray this in your name, amen. Okay, so here's what I wanted to do. As I start to work my way out of this and start to realize, I know a lot of you like get all like all worked up when you hear the new normal, so I'll call it the new reality, okay? Uh, um, so as we walk into this new reality, I started thinking, I don't wanna waste this trial, God. I wanna come out different. I don't wanna just go back to what I was. I wanna come out changed the way you want to change me. And so I've been thinking about how can I best do that? And that is, in my opinion, resetting my priorities. Do you have priorities? You ever make a list of priorities? You might have some and you don't even really know them, okay? Some of my teens now, they, um, they, I got two teens in the house and now they're turning into adults. I can barely call them teens even if as next week. And, and I hear, um, I don't do that, okay? See, when they're little, you go, yeah, you do do that. As they get older, they say, I, I don't do that. Unless I'm paying for it, then they do it. But there's this whole, I, I don't, I don't, I don't go there, I don't, I don't do that. We, we begin to set what our priorities are, especially as we go off and, and do different things in life. And I got thinking about what are my priorities gonna be? And, and I started thinking through eight. What are eight priorities and where do they lie? In order to illustrate this, I wanna show you the importance of priorities. Now, now, I brought over just this tub here, okay? And I got some rocks. There's something called the big rocks principle. Okay, the big rocks principle is when you put the big rocks in first, you can get more in to life. And, and, and it's the, the idea is this, if I take smaller stones and I put them in and then I start stuffing the rocks in, I run out of space really quick and I can't fill it up. But if I reverse that and I take the same stones, put them back in here, okay? I'm gonna make a mess today. Mike, um, and then go like this, all right, and put these big stones in first and get the priorities that I really want in. Then I have room, not only for all of it, but I got room to spare if I shake this down. And the idea is this, if you get those big rocks in, 
You know, all those worries you have in the world and all those cares and wonders about next fall or this, or whether you're going back to school or whether we're gonna be asked to do this or whether you're gonna get another paycheck. If you get those big rocks in first, boy, it's gonna help you get all the other things you wanna get done in life. It's the Matthew 6.33 principle. Seek first those big rocks. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And not only will you get all those things in and all these other things will be added unto you. And you have room for so much more as you first get God in the mix. And that's the idea behind this illustration. Let it be true of you that your big rock in the morning isn't opening an app that's a news article. Start with scripture. Make sure your big rocks have something to do with prayer and not immediately going to work. I can tell you the difference of Pastor Chris's day. If I pray before I hit power on my Mac, before I hit power on that computer, if I pray before it, I have a different day than if I don't. And there are days, <gasps> am I allowed to say this in church? That I don't. I just start and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm all worked up today. I started today with an email and not the word of God. I started today with my opinion and not prayer. And it changed how I went about the day. And so if you've got notes today, if you're a kid today, you have priorities. You have priorities. I saw somebody post something that said, I would rather my kid sit next to the lonely kid at school than get straight A's. What were they saying? I have a priority of putting others first over performance. I texted back, why not both? No, no, that's not what I said. Uh, but, but, but the idea is we all set priorities. Um, kids, do you know mom's priorities? College students, do you know your professor's priorities? You wanna know the key to getting pretty good grades? You better know what a professor prioritizes. Some could care less if you wrote the paper, they're all about grammar. And some could care less about grammar, they're all about content. When you know someone's priorities, you navigate differently what you're going through. Do you know your boss's priorities? Do you know what expectations they have? When you know those, it changes you. So here's my deal. Do you know Jesus's priorities for your life? Like what would you even list? You know he gives those out more than you even think? He gives out the priorities to seeking first the kingdom. We all have the verse memorized, but if I ask you to tangibly think of ways for without, without a plan, it's just a wish. But Jesus has given us tangible ways to do that. And he does it in one of the most remarkable ways, the parables. How familiar are you with the parables? Do you know a lot of the parables? You can think of a few probably. Do you think of them as just like short stories, kind of like elementary stuff? It's something you learn when you're a little kid. But is it elementary when Jesus basically made a determination that I'm only going to teach at a certain point of his ministry in parables? And did you ever read the parable where he tells you exactly why he taught only in parables? Do you understand that within the parables holds some keys that will enable you to establish big rocks in your life that will help you with all the emotions you're navigating on a typical day? 
I think one of the most key parables, it's called one of the preeminent parables, is the parable of the sower. Do you know it? You know the parable? Kids, some of the kids know the parable? The parable of the sower. And, and there's four different types of ground the soil falls on, or excuse me, the seeds fall on. I want us to walk through this parable, and I'll tell you why we're going to this parable first to begin our series. Jesus, within this parable, tells you why he taught parables. He gives it to you. You don't have to wonder. Some of the parables, we got to come up with our own interpretation sometimes. Jesus gives the interpretation of this parable and tells you exactly why he did this. And if you don't know why he taught in parables, today is your day to get out of pen. Because he had a goal, and it wasn't just so you could enjoy the story. I heard a pastor one time said, oh, you tell too many stories. He said, I'm sorry, I'm just copying Jesus. <laughs> Jesus told stories for a reason. And this one is the parable of the sower. Here it is. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. Doesn't that sound good right now? Got on the beach. They all got on the beach. Jesus knew where to teach. I'm telling you, okay? If you're like, where Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have taught in a place like this. Jesus, you're right. He would have chose the beach. Okay, he, he, they all went to the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, and here it is, the parable of the sower. And in order to engage the audience just a little bit more, I bought what every baseball player needs to survive life, okay? Especially, especially in the bad innings, you know? Coaches, we eat these so much you wanna throw up after a game. Stress determines how many you go through. Um, but I got some ranch jumbos here and they're gonna be my seeds and hopefully uh, birds won't fly in here the second I throw them, okay? All right, okay, now, here it is. A sower, he went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. Just some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. My wife and I were walking along in Ocean City a couple years ago. She had gotten um, uh, curly fries uh, and... Uh, uh, and I had gotten a slice of pizza, so real healthy snack. And, and we're walking along, and she, all of a sudden I heard, I hope I don't break the mic, I heard, ah! There was a seagull, it flew down and literally attacked her. Has that happened to anybody else? I mean, and it scared her to death, and it scared me because I thought, my wife is being killed at Ocean City. I mean, this wasn't, you've heard screams, this was an abnormal scream. Like this is, I am being attacked, scream. And that seagull took my pizza too. I mean, and, and so I ran it down. No, I didn't, I didn't run it down. Okay, the birds came, that's the idea. Jesus says the birds came, they just whoop, ate it up. Okay, then the second one. And then, and then other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang out since they didn't have much steps of soil. Some fell on the rocky ground, they just sprung up real quick and, and it was great, okay? Well then, he says, there's a third one, but the sun rose on these here and it scorched them. And since they had no root, they withered away. All right, so we got rocks on the path. The birds ate them up. These quickly sprang up, but then they withered away. Okay, Jesus, where are you getting? He continues. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Okay, well, here's the other one. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. They fell on the thorns, and as these seeds, they began to grow, thorns came and choked them all out. Okay, I'm staying with you, Jesus. And then other seeds, they fell on good soil. 
They fell on good soil. There's, by the way, there's no good soil up here. It's all rocks, okay? They fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. Okay, so when they fell on the good soil, there was a lot of harvest. Let's break it down. I've got four groups of seeds. They fell on the path and they were eaten up. They fell on the rocks and they withered away. They grew quick, withered away. They fell on the thorns and they got choked out. And then they fell on good soil and they produced all sorts of fruit. And then Jesus drops this bomb. He says this, he who has ears, okay, let him hear. Whoo, I told you these are elementary teachings, right? I mean, if you started out in elementary school, if you have ears, I want you to hear, they would say, okay, but he just dropped an incredible bomb on the Pharisees. He who can understand, Jesus is leaning to. He who is a follower of what he is about to promote is gonna hear this and he wants them to hear it. He is showing that location seems to be important, foundation seems to be important, environment needs to be, seems to be important if you wanna see a harvest. But he drops this, if you got ears, I want you to hear. It's very similar to phrases we hear in scripture that Jesus liked to say like verily, verily. Why'd he say it twice? He was announcing this as a truth that I want you to separate as extra important. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. What's going on? Jesus, what's up with these? What, what's up with these different seeds and one producing a harvest, one growing up fast and then dying in the sun, one, one getting eaten up by birds, one here getting choked out. What's going on? Even the disciples came running up and they said this, hey, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you do that? It's weird. I don't know what they thought. But why do you tell them these parables? Are you just a riddler? Are we supposed to make sense of this? And Jesus answers them. And here's your answer. Why he spoke in parables. He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. You see, Oftentimes, there's an interpretive challenge when you're looking at the Gospels. Disciples don't always mean the 12. There were many who followed him, in fact, thousands at one point. And then we even see a calling of a 70. We see lots of different disciples, but disciples often were people following a rabbi. But then there was that core disciples. And so he's saying, I, I'm sharing this to give you guys the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, there are some, it has not been given. I share parables to reveal the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I remember playing, any kids out there? I remember playing, uh, making, making awesome castles, okay? My G.I. Joe guys, Transformers, um, He-Man, and this thing called Wildcats. We all teamed them together, and we were awesome forces. And, and we would sometimes attack my sister's strawberry shortcake house, all right? And, and my G.I. Joe guys would just destroy the glamour gals and, 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 the, and the strawberry. We'd, we'd attack from the chimney. I mean, we'd come down the side, and then my sister would come downstairs and say, Chris is playing with my stuff. And then my guys had to retreat and go back. 
But it was very apparent there was a kingdom of Chris and there was a kingdom of Allison and the kingdom of Chris, it, it, like, it, it had all sorts of characteristics and they were aggressive and attacking and we were after people because people understood if you came into my kingdom where I was the king, you were gonna behave a certain way. When you hear the kingdom of God, it's this aspect of a sphere of God's reign where, where God has uh, characteristics in that kingdom. He has things that he sees as priorities in that kingdom. We see that kingdom comes through new birth. Jesus is introducing to these disciples that there's this kingdom now coming that will be ultimately culminated when we see the return, okay, and fully realized in the future, but it's the sphere of his reign. Now, unfortunately, there are groups that have made some kingdom theologies that's very dangerous and kind of, in my opinion, reckless with scripture. But the idea here is Jesus is saying, this is my kingdom, and this is what it looks like, and this is what I prioritize. And he continues, and he says, guys, guys, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have it in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There's an aspect to the parables that not only do they reveal the secrets to what the sphere of God's influence deems as important, there's also this aspect where parables are given to reveal who is a true disciple and to conceal it from those who are not. They just won't understand it. So reception, one author says, of the word of the kingdom produces understanding and even more revelation. Some of you got saved later in life, came to know Jesus Christ later in life, and you understand what it means to read the Bible and not understand it, and then read it and understand it. Some of you got knew Christ as a kid, and you've never really not known what it's like to not understand scripture. Those who are in the kingdom, they're gonna even know more, and it's gonna be revealed to them even more. Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. I expose who can listen, but they don't get it. And those who see, but they don't believe. This is what the parables do. On top of that, you know another thing? That's a, here's the fourth thing parables do. Parables verify prophecy. It was in the book of Isaiah, Jesus says, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but not perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Have you ever looked at society, or watched the news, or listened to people talk and go, how do they not see this? I said to somebody recently, if you don't think the Bible's true, it's because you're not reading it. If you're looking at some of the things we're dealing with and, and some of the characteristics as given out in 1 Timothy of the times as we move towards the end, as well as some of the things that are moving in certain directions where you can see things that are given out in scripture as probabilities, if you don't believe scripture, it's because you haven't read it or you just can't understand or see it. Is it possible that you're not a child of the kingdom? Have you come to a point in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, where you've repented from your sin and you say, Lord, I wanna be in your kingdom. I wanna be a child of God. I wanna know you and not just know about you, but I wanna get to know you and I don't fully understand it. It doesn't all make sense to me, but I wanna know more and I wanna offer my life to you. But the hardness of hearts 
is the prophecy that was given. But Jesus says, hey guys, blessed are you though. Blessed are you because your eyes, for they see and your ears because they hear. You are greatly blessed, but not only that, you are highly favored. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Folks, the parables were not just interesting stories. The parables were truths that had not been seen yet in the OT, many of them. And they were, they were insightful and inspiring. A 21st century Christian who heard the parables their whole life doesn't realize how amazing this teaching was to these disciples. So let's just uh, quickly for um, seminary purposes here, let's dive under the level here and just review what we've learned about parables. They were teaching aids, 35 of them or so in the gospels from Jesus. They were parallel truths. A parable literally means to cast alongside, okay? So it's truth, okay? It's a story. There's true north, okay? Let me put it down. True north, and right next to true north, these parables are cast alongside it. So when you hear the parable, it's an illustration of the truth. The parable's not this way. A parable of Jesus isn't this way. A parable of Jesus is, hold on, wait. That way, it's cast alongside of the truth. So when you understand the parable, you are getting true north. What are the parables about? Showing you what to seek in the kingdom. They're true north seeking elements that we can study to see what Jesus' priorities are, right in the parables. And if you have an ear, if you know Christ is your savior, you can listen, not just going, hey, that's neat, Chris, I appreciate it, stamped my church attendance seat, came online, it's no, so you can find the truth within the parable. That's the goal. And then to interpret it, you have to look at the scope and meaning and comparison because um, parables aren't like to build theology off of. There's stories that illustrate a main point, and there's a lot of details that aren't as important as the main point. And so there's aspects to parables that are really neat, but let's keep in mind, it's to know the secrets of the kingdom of God and how to live accordingly. So what is the interpretation of this parable, okay? Young people, we got seeds in four spots, all right? We got them on the path, we got them on the rocks, we got them within the thorns and we got them on good soil. What is this parable all about? Well, unlike many of the parables, Jesus actually gives us the interpretation of this one. So if you got ears to hear, if you know Christ is your savior, listen to Jesus speak to you the interpretation of this parable. Here it is. Hear, hear. Is he saying hear ye, hear ye? No, no, listen, looking for truth. Listen to this parable. Here's the parable of the sower. First one, look at this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what's sown along the path. Ah, so the seeds are the word of the kingdom. The seeds are the word of the kingdom. The seeds, okay. But if he doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away. So the birds represents the devil. He comes and snatches away. So, oh man, environment is so huge for growth. Jesus then says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's a great truth. 
Chris, I, I find your teachings inspiring, I've been said. Yet he has no root. But endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution come and arises on the account of the word, they immediately fall away. Wow. He sprung up. But trials came, difficulties came. If this is the way God is, then I don't want. I mean, God said in his word, he's promised. And when trials and difficulties come, falls away. Man, location is huge for growth. As for what was sown on the good soil, excuse me, I jumped one. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is a third one, is the one who hears the word of God. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I mean, I think this is true of all young people, but when we would do this with youth ministry, we'd say, hey, what are, what are, what are some of the things you wanna do in your life? A lot of times you're gonna hear what car they wanna buy, where they wanna live, because they, they don't talk size of home at that age because they don't know what debt fully is. Um, but they talk about things like that. But you won't find many kids who go, man, I am just hoping I grow up and become this huge failure with um, tons of problems, a destroyed, uh, right? They go, I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna be this. We have these huge dreams. And oftentimes these dreams will even choke away some of the words that have been given even as a young person. Wow. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. Boy, a healthy environment, a healthy foundation, a healthy location really produces an awesome harvest. So, so I sum it up. We have in the path seeds that are eaten up, hard hearts. On the rocks, we have seeds that have withered away, shallow hearts. It's just shallow. They accepted for a time and went away. We have seeds in the th that are choked out, the crowded heart. And we have seeds falling on good soil, the fruitful heart. Now, me personally, there's a lot of different ways to look at this text. But I believe Jesus was speaking, this is my gut, that Jesus was speaking about how people would receive his teaching during the first advent. Um, this is before the Holy Spirit coming and sealing a believer at salvation. So I don't build a lot of soteriology or the study of salvation through this parable because I believe the principle of the parable is very specific and that good soil is a breeding ground to receive the kingdom words, the implanted truth, as James calls it. And Jesus is saying, you're gonna see a lot of people when I'm teaching. There's gonna be some... They're, not, they're just gonna blow me off the second they hear it. There's gonna be some, they're gonna get all excited and then somebody's gonna get their head lopped off and they're out. And then there's gonna be some, they grow up and, and the cares of this world just get to them, rich young ruler. And, and then there's gonna be some that just keep producing. But we can also see this in our lives. Have you not seen people, they hear the word of God? That's dumb, that's irrelevant. This is what society wants to do to your scripture, by the way. This is irrelevant. Okay, it's just bang, it just falls on. I'm not listening. I'll sit in your stupid church, but I'm not listening. It's the hard heart. Then there's the, wow, the shallow heart. It's like, hey man, church is cool, welcome. I feel, I feel like everyone welcomes me. 
And then the second they don't feel welcome, you, you see that. So we see some of these characteristics even today. Um, I tried it, I tried scripture, but you know what? I feel like it's full of a lot of lies and stuff like that. As I've gotten older, my adult faith hasn't had to be able, you, you see some of these things and you wonder if a fruit has ever taken place at all or whether there was ever a salvation experience at all. Because I gotta be honest with you. If you know Jesus as your savior, he changes you. The Holy Spirit changes your life. There really shouldn't be, I think they're kind of saved. You should know because children of God are different. They've been changed. If I told you that on the way to church today, I got hit by a Mack truck on Fifth Street, you would say liar. Because if Chris got hit by a fat Mack truck, he'd be changed, okay? You wouldn't be like, I wonder if Chris got hit. He kind of looks like he got hit. At least he lost his hair anyway. But, but you wouldn't wonder if I got hit by a Mack truck, I wouldn't be here today, somebody else be speaking, okay? When you get hit by the Mack truck of the Holy Spirit, there is a change that is produced in life. And so I don't try to build a ton of soteriology off of that text because I see a principle being driven home. Good soil produces a lot of fruit. And I want a heart that has good soil and receives the kingdom words, receives the implanted word great. I think James sums up this parable in my opinion very well, where he says this, know this my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. How many of you have heard that interpreted as that's how you're supposed to be? That's one of your relationship characteristics. When people are mean to you, do this. And that's okay, but you understand the context is how you hear the word of God? Let me show it to you in the next verse. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, what? The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Don't come to the word of God quick to speak. Okay, I know what this is saying. Don't be quick to get angry. This is stupid. It says we can't do that. College students, you don't spend your life looking at this Bible for what you can get away with. Well, it doesn't say, okay? And we have a very, we have a Jesus that we want to make convenient. We want Jesus to kind of sound like us all the time. Well, the Jesus I follow would just think that's terrible what you just did. We love to make Jesus fit into our own um, biases, Right? We are to come to the word of God and be good soil that receives the implanted word with meekness, with self-restraint. When I read this, self-restraint, Chris, come on, take it in, grow, put aside wickedness because here's the idea. James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not just hearers, deceiving yourselves. Where do my priorities lie? I find it interesting and I wanna play on those words for a minute with our big rocks. My question was, where do your priorities lie? We're used to that phrase, right? But where are they lying right now? Where do you say is a priority in your life, but you're actually lying? Have you found the past three months have kind of exposed where your priorities lie? Have they exposed some financial priorities you might've had? over your faith in God? Have they exposed um, some of your fears that you didn't even know you wrestled with? Have they exposed some, some anger inside you that you didn't know existed? So here's what I did. I, I didn't wanna not, not do this um, as a preacher. Um, I wanted to be able to put down my own, my own priorities. In fact, John Adams, I see you in the back there. Do you see my cell phone? I forgot to bring it up. 
You see online crowd? We're still not, we're not doing that great today. I forgot my cell phone. But he's gonna bring it up to me because we actually have people here and I'm not by myself with a cameraman. <laughs> Don't text me, people. All right, I gotta look at this. I'm gonna read to you some of my priorities. And you know what? I chose eight for a reason. I'm gonna share with you as we, as we finish today. But I wrote down some priorities. It was interesting because I found myself when I chose eight, I found myself reorganizing them. There's just something about you where number one should probably be number one. And it wasn't my number one as I was starting to write them and then I moved it around and it became my number one. Well, my number one was pretty safe here, okay? But, but these are my priorities, whether, whether I get a virus, whether our church never gathers again, at the time I was writing some of these, um, whether, uh, whether darkness wins the day for a couple months, or whether uh, great things happen, whatever, I'm gonna have these priorities. These are gonna kind of be some anchors. And I just wrote them down, and here's one. Love my wife faithfully until I die. That was, I'm gonna do that, okay? I can't do everything right. Some people are gonna hate the latest decision. Some people are gonna love this latest decision. Some people are gonna call me soft and weak, and some are gonna call me foolhardy and too aggressive. So I'm gonna love my wife until death. Second, I'm glad one lady thought that was a good thing. <laughs> See, it's so good to have a crowd back. <laughs> Two, I'm gonna model my heavenly father to my kids. I mean, that's the best I can do. I can't be everyone's hero, nor should I try to be, but I'm gonna try to model my heavenly father to my kids. I, I've gone back to these priorities. They've only been, they're only a couple weeks old, okay? And I've gone back to them a couple times. Here's my third one. Be characterized by godly wisdom. I don't need to be called a tough guy. I don't need to be called some superhero guy. I don't need to be popular or anything like that. I don't need any of that stuff. I just wanna be characterized by godly wisdom. That's a priority in my life. Here's a fourth one. Inspire others to pray expectantly. That's a goal of my ministry. I pray expecting God to deliver and I, and I try to teach what I know about my heavenly father and what he wants to answer in prayer. I want people praying to a big God, not a little God. I tell all my three kids, you don't pray to a little God. Don't pray little prayers, okay? He likes to deliver big. And I wanna teach people and lead people to pray expectantly. Here, here's, a, here's a fourth one, a fifth one I put. Spur on others to max out their potential. There's a coach in me. I love baseball. I, I love basketball. There's a coach in me. I love to spur young people on to max out what God has given them whether it's academically, whether it's in art, whether it's in music, whether it's in life. I got a father who picked up an instrument later in life, okay, just because he wanted to keep learning, okay? Max out your potential. So here's the sixth one. Serve the local church with my gifts. God, you've given me specific church gifts and I'm supposed to use them in the church. I'm not supposed to squander them. And so I wanna use my gifts. Now all of us have different gifts, but one of my goals is to be a part of a local church serving in my gifts. You say, Chris, you're the pastor. Well, this is one of the ways I serve. Um, seven, create ministry opportunities for other people. All right, it's one of the reasons the revivals exists. It's a laboratory for adults to do ministry. Folks, we are now f competing with Chick-fil-A and our lines. We're giving out meals like you can't believe. We're seeing God use revivals in such a special way that it was just amazing. Um, to, to know that God almost prepared revivals for such a time as this in our community. And then my eighth one is finish well. 
I, I just wanna finish well. I see so many pastors, the devil takes them out. And I get why, the longer I've been doing it. But that's one of my goals is to finish well and be steadfast and unmovable. And so the decisions I make each day, if I know my end game, it helps me with today, okay? If I don't do that today, then I won't do that tomorrow. I had a young person come to me one of the time and say, Pastor Chris, I'm really struggling with anxiety. I feel like I'm gonna hurt my parents. And I said, why would you hurt your parents? I don't know, I love my parents. And why would you say, I, th I think the devil's messing with me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like shove them or something when I get mad. I said, well, I'll tell you what, don't shove them today, okay? All right, and then when you get up tomorrow, don't shove them tomorrow. But I feel like someday. Then that third day when you get up, don't shove them that day either. And before you know it, you'll never have done it. Or dad has shoved you and then you learn why you should never shove them. See, I was just struggling with my anger and I feel like it's gonna lash out. But in, in that anxiety of I'm afraid someday, I'm afraid someday, I'm afraid someday I'm gonna make a horrible financial decision. I'm afraid someday I'm gonna be unfaithful. I'm afraid someday the world's gonna all fall apart. We're gonna be persecuted. I'm gonna be so sad all the time. Okay, just today. Don't do that today and we'll avoid some of that in the future. But if you have your priorities, regardless of what circumstance happens around you, you'll be good. So I wanna encourage you. Kids, young people, college students, write out your priorities and join us for this series. Because in this series, we're gonna look through some priorities of Jesus. In fact, he looks at them as such a priority that he calls it the blessed life. Where is seek ye first the kingdom of God in scripture? It's in chapter six of Matthew, right? Do you know what that's embedded inside? The sermon on the Mount. Do you know how Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount? He gives eight characteristics of the blessed life. And if you want the big rocks of your life, I'm not talking about the American dream and comfort and all that stuff. I'm talking about, do you wanna live a life that not only is kingdom sensitive now, but will be even in the future? Then listen to the big rocks Jesus gives out, the Beatitudes. And folks, these were hand grenades into that society. For self-righteousness was chief virtue. And Jesus throws out very controversial statements that would not have been well received by his audience. And in doing so creates priorities that if we put as our big rocks, guys, all these things will be added unto you if those are in first. So this is our series in a glance. It'll be... Eight weeks of blessed are they, and we'll put with each beatitude a parable that will teach us more about kingdom living. Here it is. Um, the first week, we'll do this next week, poor in spirit. We're gonna look at the priority of humility. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. We'll look at the priority of grace. Blessed are the meek. We'll look at the priority of self-control. Blessed are the those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the priority of holiness. Then we'll continue on and we'll look at the, the fifth one. Blessed are the merciful, the priority of compassion. Blessed are the pure in heart, the priority of honesty. Blessed are the peacemakers, the priority of forgiveness. And blessed are the persecuted, the priority of perseverance. And in a society that feels at times it's crumbling around us, if we lean into these big rocks, you're gonna find not only comfort, 
Not only consistency, not only purpose, but you'll find all those other things will be added unto you as you seek first the kingdom of God. Let's get the big rocks first. Begin this week by taking the challenge to write out eight priorities as I get back to my life and navigate this virus. It looks like it's not going away anytime soon. So we're gonna have to learn to move forward in it with great caution, but also faith. And the reality is there is no risk-free plan and we'll have to navigate that. But I know the best thing we can be doing is praying church for our country, for our church, and pray for a lot of churches that with inside are falling apart. It's been very stressful on a lot of churches and you're going to see them begin to crack because if there's tension within the leadership, there's tension everywhere. I know some congregations that are voting their pastors out for how they've handled this situation. Folks, we need to be praying that the enemy does not use this to hurt a lot of great churches. And we also need to be praying for strong churches that are not only gonna survive through this, but thrive through this as they receive the word of God like good soil that knows its truth and know they can trust it. Heavenly Father, use this parable, use this series to reprioritize our lives. May we pick priorities that are true north priorities that are cast alongside the truth so that when we make a decision to live that way, it's not counter to what you have for us. So Jesus will follow you into the dark. Our church is gonna trust you through this. We're gonna preach your truth. We're gonna lean into the teachings of Jesus this summer in the gospels. And we pray that it'll be a blessed time under this neat tent that we were here today. God, use this in our lives and may we reprioritize even today what's truly important before we get back to craziness of a life that we had lived in the previous. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.